Welcome to So Ambitious, a podcast series about what's possible when Black and Latinx founders can build uninterrupted. I'm your host, Felicia Hatcher. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, an investor, and a mom. I'm also the CEO of Black Ambition, a nonprofit initiative working to close the opportunity and wealth gap for Black and Latinx communities through entrepreneurship. Today, for our season one finale, I have the immense pleasure of sharing a very special conversation with you all. I sat down with the one and only Pharrell Williams, founder of Black Ambition. Pharrell wears many hats. He is a world-famous musician, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a father, and so much more. Uninterrupted is something that comes up in pretty much every episode this season. So you may be wondering why. Well, it comes from a conversation that Pharrell and I had when we first met while we were interviewing Virgil Album. See, there's a scene in Lovecraft Country, this sci-fi series on HBO by Jordan Peele, where there were two characters, Christina and Ruby, having a conversation. Christina, who has all these mystical powers, turns to Ruby, who feels quite powerless. And she asked her, who are you uninterrupted? And I sat back in my seat when I heard that question because I never heard that question before. It's such a powerful question. To dream without bounds means to be uninterrupted. To pursue your passions without anything getting in the way means to be uninterrupted. And that's the epitome for Black ambition for us. And it's our North Star. And we want it to be your North Star as an entrepreneur. In this very special episode, Pharrell and I talk about growing up in Virginia Beach in an environment where Black businesses were not celebrated and how music expanded his horizons and eventually led him to entrepreneurship. We talk about setting up the nonprofit Black Ambition, the importance of having mentors, and the role of faith and karma in his life. Stick around to the end of the episode where Pharrell shares some precious advice on how to take inventory of your life to help you move forward. Let's get started. Pete, one, just welcome to the Black Ambition, So Ambitious podcast. Thank you. I just remember one of our first conversations, like Black Ambition needs a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and so here we are, right? Yeah. So um, yep. I'm excited to, to have you as a guest. Amazing. And so tell us about like your life growing up, um, specifically as it relates to like your first exposure to entrepreneurship or, or business? Well, first, you know, as a child, I don't know that I ever had ambitions to be an entrepreneur. I had never heard of the word. And being your own boss or like creating things and creating companies around those items or like products was never an ambition Speaking of that word, it was never an ambition of mine because I didn't grow up in not only a household that understood that kind of mentality, but I didn't grow up in a community that had that kind of mentality. So obviously, right? I would say that, you know, people were like the closest we saw to people having their own businesses in my neighborhood was like sales, mm -hmm. right? And it was a range of like apothecaries. Uh, to street pharmacists, mm -hmm. to street chemists. You'd also see people who had like car wash businesses, wash a car or whatever, or wash all the cars on the block or whatever. And then we also saw like candy ladies. But other than that, I didn't really see anything else like that uh, or not much else. It was just that, you know, entrepreneurship was not like something that 
we understood to be something that was like, you know, within the realm of possibility. And that's why, I mean, there was, there was a hundred million percent no black ambition as a construct that was not like floating around, you know, Virginia Beach, Virginia, by no stretch of the imagination. But then like, I think, you know, going to school and, you know, you would hear your friends who didn't live in the same kind of neighborhoods, they would talk about their family businesses Mm -hmm. and you'd hear these things, but because you've never seen these things on people who look like you, um, you just, you're not thinking that way. And I got to tell you, you know, music was like one of the greatest distractions. Like you don't know what's wrong when you got music in your neighborhood because someone gets shot. Cool. There's an amazing song that's going to play in like an hour and it's going to take over the neighborhood. The music got us by. And fortunately, um, I ended up doing music. So the thing that distracted me the most is what I had actually focused on the most. You know, when I was in class and school, like I should be like focusing on what the teacher's saying, but I'm like too busy, like making like little beats with like my pencil or pen and like, you know, the edges of my fist and like, and three or four other friends with me, we all just bobbing along. And and all I'm really doing is like playing something that like, or imitating something that had just come out or something that we all like or whatever. And then we say the verse of like, if it was a rap or whatever, or if it was like a song, like somebody was singing or whatever. And man, I spent so much time in school being distracted by that. So when I, you know, got into the music industry, eventually I realized, okay, you're going to be your own publisher. So that's a business. Um, as a musician, you know, um, you're making music, so you are making a product, and that product has to be managed. Um, you are going to be known for the person who's supplying this product. The instruments that you use is what helps you create or conjure this music. And so you start thinking entrepreneurial naturally just being a musician. And then you start looking at all the investments, right? Because the investments start coming out of nowhere, uh, investment opportunities. And I would say like the first 10 years, like I invested in so many things that I can't even remember now. And they were all terrible investments, but I didn't have anyone around me to like vet these opportunities to tell me, okay, this is worth your time. This is worth your space. And most importantly, this is also worth your financial investment too. You know, when you think about like who exemplified entrepreneurship in our communities, mm-hmm. um, in the absence of like big businesses, big storefronts that you would see like in a, in an Atlanta, but it still existed, right? It's just not in the not in the sense of what we knew, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I remember my first day of college and they do the thing where they ask everyone, like, you know, what are you gonna do when you graduate college? And like literally everyone in my class is like, I'm gonna get this degree and go back home and work for the family business. And I was just like, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it was so foreign, but we did have those examples in, in in our communities. But for the most part of what we know it is today and like the energy that we see it today, it just doesn't really, it didn't exist in that form. And so you, you talked about kind of like ambition, right? Like the existence of it, the non-existence of it in our community. But mm-hmm. like, what were measures of success that you saw um, growing up 
And are there any examples within like your family or elders in your community that that you could share, even on the on the music side? I don't think that I mean, there were black owned companies in Virginia Beach. There were lots of black owned companies in Norfolk. They just were never celebrated. That was never a topic of discussion. Like it's not like the way that we celebrate it now and the way that we herald it now is amazing. But we should have been doing that. You know, I just think I'm a 70s baby. I just didn't see that. And if maybe it was there and I just was like dumb as hell and just didn't see it. I think that's a major difference. Like today we recognize that like our strengths are are to be celebrated and it, we don't have to limit it to just our, you know, civic and political strengths and our clerical strengths. That's literally you just hear about that. But you didn't hear about the person who owns the tar company or owns the the tire company or owns, you know, the landscaping business and, and totally crushing it, you know, or the person that owns a swath of gas stations or, you know what I'm saying? Like we didn't hear those conversations or, but again, I also grew up in the, in the project. So that might have had like a heavy part in it, you know, that might've been like part of the blinding gravitational pull you know, that I often reference all the time, that gravity that pulls us down, you know, pulls our race down and we don't, we don't even know it, you know, and I always say it, it's like, you know, disproportionate access to healthcare, education and representation. That's like a gravitational force that pulls down on, on marginalized people more so than it does our white siblings. So you're, you're a man of faith, right? And I don't think, Oftentimes in this, the conversations around entrepreneurship, do we talk about like the role that faith and belief and the universe plays in how things come together, how things manifest? And so mm. like, how do you see your relationship between faith and ambition? They say faith is the substance of things that are not yet seen, I believe. And I believe that this is my purpose. I believe that I'm supposed to share the codes. Yeah. And I believe that there needs to be this organization that helps to share the codes by doing some funding and also like really serious strategic uh, advice and scaffolding and mentorship. I think it's I think it's necessary, and I, it's my belief that this is the way it was ordained. This is the way that it was written. And we're not the only organization that does this, thank God. And there needs to be, the, you know, the organizations that exist, including ours, needs to multiply, not only within ourselves, but like other companies and firms and 501c3s, they should just be spawning out of nowhere right now. That's my belief. Yeah, mine as well, right? Because uh, one, the problem is so big, but then the opportunity is even bigger, bigger right? Yeah, of like, yeah. You know, to invest in Black and Latinx startup founders and HBCU startup founders and like what they're able to do with like when they just get the things that they need, you know, mm -hmm. and I think so often the conversation is even is just like, just give them what they need and then kind of get out the way. Right. And like mm -hmm. there's people or systems that like intentionally stand in the way or hoard all the resources for a number of reasons. And like those entrepreneurs, and we've seen that with the program in the past two years, like once they get the funding, like they 6X the funding in a year, right? Like once they get the funding, they go mm -hmm. from four employees to 30 employees. And like that ripple effect of affecting 30 families 
in the course of a year, like we see that over and over and over again. And so, you know, you're right. Like, I think Black ambition represents a very unique way of doing this. Um, but we, I think success for us is like more organizations seeing the way that we do it and then saying like, let me do this for my community, my city, even my country as, as, as well. So let me throw some numbers out at you, right? And so okay. from from the inception of Black Ambition in, in 2020, right? From a conversation, lots of phone calls, lots of meetings um, in, in 2019 to like the inception of it in 2020. And so like direct capital investments in 64 Black Latinx entrepreneurs all across the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like direct, like hardcore mentorship, like championship for over 500 entrepreneurs over the course of the past two years, right? Um, And then like support for close to 4,000 entrepreneurs in two years. Like, what does that, what does that feel like, right? Um, When you can do a lot of different things, but like there was the intention, the energy, the people you, you know, you often talk about like, I galvanize, like I bring people together to solve problems. Mm-hmm. When you look at the early conversations, and there's always moments, even with the best resources where things can feel a little impossible. Like when you hear that, what does that mean? Like, what does that ripple effect for you mean from like a, a legacy standpoint or like an impact standpoint? For me, it's a karma credit score. That's it. I'm just paying my tithes to the universe. This is this is the way you pay your tithes. It's like paying it forward. Not only leaving the door open, but like doing your absolute best to share the codes in them in the most universal way possible. That's really what it boils down to for me. Like when I hear those figures, I'm like, okay. It makes me feel great, but I know beyond my reaction to the work that's being done is the actual real true kinetic hardcore like you said real transactions and it's not always just about funding right like you said it's about mentorship but it's also about like the 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 like families that get affected by these things the ripple effect that's one that's god for me you know that's the universe reacting and it's us playing our part to make sure that this happens you know what the universe wrote we we are we are following our the the instructions mm-hmm. you know we're, we're getting this the assignment done yeah you said the karma score yeah where did that come from oh um i mean isn't that what this life is the universe is essentially a university right we're all just learning and the minute that you say you've learned everything, well, then that's when you're dead, mm-hmm. right? And while we're alive, the the universe is alive, right? Anything that moves is alive. The earth is spinning. The solar system itself is spinning. The galaxy is spinning. The universe itself is expanding. Everything is constantly moving, right? And so what we're doing with Black Ambition is a movement. And so there has to be what is the ultimate goal of it? It is to 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 basically to move in the direction of like of our assignment, and that is ultimately the reason why we're here. That's our purpose, and your pur- your purpose is much more specific, right? It gets goes much more 
deeper than that. But at the core of it all, the crux, if you will, is to learn while we're here and learn while you are being in service to others. And every time you're in service to others and it's beneficial for them, and there's a lesson in it for you, there's a lesson in it for them. Like I, I, it's my belief, going back to that word faith, that you know, it's a karmic credit score. It's like, what are you doing? What you did, did that just set off like a, a domino effect of positivity or did it set off a domino effect of like negativity with some lessons attached to it? Like, what are you doing? So like whenever I can, I just try to do right because I'm not perfect, but I try to just do right as much as I can because I've learned, you know, being in this business for 30 years, like the mistakes that I've made and I realize how much I paid dearly for and I realize how many um, good things that I've done and how they affect things in a much more exponential way. When you see all the parallels and all the patterns, you start to realize there's this overarching goal of just doing good and doing well. P, you often talk about, like we had conversations of just like, you know, the money is one thing, like the mentorship, the knowledge is a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. And like oftentimes it outweighs like whatever the financial contributions or investments that we do into the companies or how like we should just, all of us should be looking at what we need. Right. And so- Mm -hmm. Talk to me why that is important. Um, Coaches and mentors are great um, because if you think about it, you know, Michael Jordan's awesome. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James is awesome. But the coach is the person who can see the things you can't see. And they give you all of this information, all of this blind spot information. And I'll give you all of this zoom out information because we're also so zoomed in. You know, now LeBron and and Kobe, they have an incredible zoom out potential, but even them, the periphery can't go but so far, right? So um, that's when their six senses kick in and they get like amazing. But even still on top of that, man, to have a coach just takes you to the next level. If you think about the most amazing gymnasts in the world, it's like, man, when they complete, you know, their routine, Who's the first person they go over to go hug? The coach. The coach sees everything. Coach knows your weaknesses. And so the coach is is effectively better than you, not at doing what you do, but better than you at seeing what you're doing, right? So you need as many incredibly well-educated, well-experienced eyes around you at the time, and they should be better than you. Because if they ain't better than you, then you're never going to be better than what you are. And you're never going to be better than where you are. You won't be better than why you are or how you are. They help you um, with that really powerful question of who, what, when, where, and why. Well, also and how. And when you can answer all those questions, that gives you like confirmation of for, for, for doing it. Whether it is a full-on strategy or it's just like a sudden move. You need as many of those around you as you can. And when you get you get a handful of them around you and they're better than you, wow, you're about to be lifted. Talk to me about building uninterrupted. Like, what does that look like to you? Because we tie that to ambition quite a bit, right? Like this permission to dream or 
you know, this pathway where nothing stands in the way of like your why or getting to profitability or transformational change in community. Like, what does it look like when we're all able to dream, but then also build uninterrupted? Uninterrupted means that there's no historical and or systemic gravity on your concept that it is able to free float and exist and build on its own and lord help us if we get a little bit of momentum just like a fingertip out of nowhere just tap it in space the amount of momentum that you're able to have that is what happens when you're uninterrupted you're uninhibited by any kind of gravitational force and the way that we do that is you take inventory now you can do this for your business and you can do this for your personal life. And I actually suggest that you do it for both. But you take inventory, you get a pen and paper so you can write it down and you can see it. And you think about every noun, like let's apply it to your personal life. And basically what you do is you look at every noun in your life, okay? Every person, place, thing, or situation, and you, t you write it down and you ask yourself, is it a deficit or a value add? And you go through and you make sure you're checking off all the boxes of all the things that you um, encounter. And when you look down on that paper and see the people who are deficits, the places that have become deficits, the things that have become deficits, you begin to realize, or the situations, right? You begin to realize that they have all been, as, a, as deficits, they're actually really just contributing to the distractions from your success or from your business's success. And then the cool thing is to go and one by one, eliminate them. Now, you might be a person who is guilt-ridden. But guilt and pressure has never helped anyone. It's never helped a thing. Um, in fact, it's also a distraction. But if you were to justify their elimination by saying, hey, this is going to make me better. This is going to take some emotional weight off of my mind. And it's going to take some pressure off of my back. And I might be able to walk faster and I might be able to think clearer. Then you eliminate it. And you go through and you eliminate all those deficits. And then the fourth step is to actually see what it feels like to only surround yourself with people, places, things, and situations that are only value adds. I guarantee you, your heart is going to be lighter. Your mind is going to be lighter. Your body is going to be lighter. Your spirit is going to be lighter. And when I say lighter... I mean lighter in terms of weight, and I also mean lighter in terms of brightness. That is like the ultimate goal. And you will realize that you are now in a state of uninterruptedness. You're in an ultimate state of being, and that can work for your business. You get rid of all the deficits, whether it's personnel or business relationships, you know, you're doing something that like really doesn't contribute to the bottom line, but it's something that you think looks good, but it's just been holding the spirit down. It's been holding the morale of the team down and y'all just holding on to it just so you can have it in a conversation to say, oh, but we're doing business with them. 
let it go. Trust God, trust the universe and walk in a state of like uninterruptedness in a state of like just purely being right. And by the way, that's your job. If you think about it, because you're human beings, you're not human being, because if you're human being, that means that you're gone and you're not human going to be. That means you ain't happened yet. You're a human being. Your job is to be in the present. That's the gift. So be, but be in a state of uninterruptedness to be light and lighter. That's the goal. Whew, I like that. And just like the steps of, of getting there, right? Yep. When you did that exercise for the first time, like, because I, I think the longest conversation we have with ourselves is some, sometimes a negative conversation, right? Or an uncomfortable mm. conversation. Mm. And like getting to the point of getting lighter and like understanding what, like what the deficits are and the value added. Then once you look at like that deficit list, like how do you come to terms with like cutting some of those things out of your life? It's hard. It's hard because, you know, when you start to, you start to look at it, you go, oh, that's going to be hard. And all it is, is that, you know, sometimes when we don't exercise enough, we like develop fascia or fascia in between the muscles and the bones and uh, makes it a little tough. And so there's all that like guilt fascia, but that's all it is, is guilt. Because when you really analyze it, this person is weighing you down. This situation is weighing you down. This place is bringing you down. And so you got to ask yourself, are you going to keep letting a place, person, thing, or situation bring you down because their feelings or its feelings or the perception is worth more than your toil that you're going through? Because if so, then that's your destiny. Your destiny is to just be enslaved to bad treatment, enslaved to unwelcomeness, enslaved to you know, non-beneficial feelings and non-beneficial experiences, enslaved to a situation being educationally or environment being educationally devoid. If that's your destiny, then you have at it. I need to be where it's light and lighter. Last question. How would you define Black ambition, like at its core? Anti-gravity. I would say it's anti-gravity it's anti-systemic gravity, and it's actually a push with the goal, the ultimate goal of like, you know, gaining some momentum in mentorship and funding black and brown ideas. I love that. And this is where we end our first season of So Ambitious. I'm so proud of the wealth of stories we had on this show. We heard from founders across many industries, from beauty to construction, to ballroom and cannabis. And we met entrepreneurs at all different stages in their journey. One thing they all had in common was a relentless ambition to not only pursue their ideas, but to stay true to themselves in the process. Now, with these stories as blueprints, I hope you feel inspired to build your dream uninterrupted. It's time to turn your ambitions into action. See you next season. So Ambitious is a Black Ambition production brought to you by Heineken and co-produced by Moso House and You Had Me at Black. Our executive producers are Martina Abrahams Ilunga and Ivana Tucker. Samaya Adams is our supervising producer. This episode was produced by Jess Jupiter, 
Charlotte Morley is our associate producer. Our music is composed by Terrell Brooke. Sapphire Stubbs is our marketing consultant. Special thanks to Moses Shoyola at Other Tone. And Samia Malik, Christine Joseph, and Jermaine Sherman at Black Ambition. I'm your host, Felicia Hatcher. <laughs>